0: Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me again on the Business Podcast with Sinai Radio. Uh, This is the season for the rabbi business coaches and all of us to get out there and talk about relevant concepts to your business that have to do with the holiday as well. So we are recording. Now, this is going to be one of those, uh, there's always a terror with evergreen content, and there's also a benefit of evergreen content. For those of you that are not familiar, evergreen is something that's kind of relevant all the time. The problem with evergreen content is people still want new stuff. If uh, I think at least, you know, there's a funny story where uh, where my my wife who likes to do uh, like really like fancy kind of uh, presentations for the kids birthday parties and stuff like that. So she was horrified because she had to bring in um, boxed uh, boxed. cupcakes and stuff like that for my daughter's uh, birthday party. And the kids freaked out about it. It was great. The cupcakes had been, been around for like five years. The kids loved it. So I guess there are people that like evergreen content, um, but also there's an idea of something fresh and new. And so that's, that's for you. Um, but we walk into the holiday of Yom Kippur and it's very interesting because for most people, uh, the holiday is a time where at least I'll just, you know, let's leave out most people. For me personally, it's a very difficult time in most cases because it was basically sitting and dealing with all of my, uh, uh, I guess you could say mistakes, but it wasn't in a positive way where I thought, you know, it was like going forward. It was really like, like sitting and, and feeling awful and you know kind of dreading it and it wasn't fun and and that anxiety really pushed me all of Elul and it's interesting because if you you know again if you read through the slichos uh, the slichot however you pronounce it and a lot of the liturgy so this whole concept really and and even like starting with tefillah zaka which is the uh which kind of goes before Kol nidre there's a lot of really uh difficult painful stuff to deal with and it's interesting because some people really like like that stuff, and good for you. But there's a whole uh, another side of us, another group of people who really get turned off by that and pushed away from that. And not to get on a on a political soapbox, but it's very interesting because um, I, I think accepting that we have to ask. A lot of our Judaism and our Judaism can actually push us and and create something that, that is that is broad enough to accommodate even the modern person, um, I, I think that, it, that that's very important. So I wanted to suggest a potential way of looking at really Yom Kippur, which according to the sages is the happiest day of the Jewish calendar, uh, this sense of starting afresh, this sense of kind of getting over the the past things that held you back and how that really applies to your business. So one of the most um, now again this is a this is a character trait that is in most cases sort of inbred uh, and 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 you born into it. So if this is not something that you do naturally, it's important to at least try to work on this and to find someone who, who this does come naturally to um, thankfully this is something that, that that comes fairly easily for me or extremely easily for me but it was a uh, it was one of the, the most profound pieces of advice I got from an entrepreneur early on in my business career which was he said you have to have the ability to fail quickly to fail quickly now what does that mean we're gonna break those pieces down very very uh uh, you know, with a little bit more depth, failing is absolutely 100% guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Nobody knocks it out of the park the first time. And what looks like the overnight success is actually going to be the product of many, many, many failures. I, I'm, I've yet to find um, an initial iteration that just took off and if it did take off the initial concept it's because someone behind the initial concept had put in all of the work and had made all kinds of failures throughout their life or the initial concept and the person that came up with it partnered with someone that had all of these all of this life experience so The more that I see, you know, uh, successful entrepreneurs, business people, the more I feel comfortable with this concept that they are not looking to be perfect all the time because you can never be sure. And rather than trying to build the perfect product, what you have to learn how to do is to fail quickly. And if you know that you're going to fail, if you know that you're not going to be successful, so what you need to do in that case is to develop a sense of, because ultimately it's, it's the ego. If you don't think you're going to fail, right? And you think you have the all-star product, right? You're not going to listen to what other people say, saying, be it your investors, be it other people in the same situation, or more importantly, you're not going to listen to your customers. And I would recommend to everyone, there's an amazing book that I'm reading right now, which is phenomenal, which is called Competing Against Luck. Competing against luck, and the idea in this book is that you look at certain. A lot of people like try to innovate by just getting lucky. I'm going to create this product or service, and it's just going to take off. And these, uh, this it's a it's written by a group of Harvard uh, professors, business uh, Harvard business professors, and what they're talking about is. You have to learn how to ask questions because there's really nothing that accidental. And it's about learning the mindset. They talk about jobs that need to be done. So when a person hires your product, your service um, goes to your synagogue, they, they hire you for tutoring. Like they're, yes, they're doing it, but they're, they're hiring you to do a job for them to progress them forward. And you have to understand by asking questions, what, are you getting hired to do? So why does a person buy the product or service? And rather than say, I'm just going to create this. And again, I can't tell you how many people it's, it's interesting in the beginning of my, of my coaching career, when I was coaching more people that were trying to go zero to one, sort of create a business that wasn't, you know, that that didn't exist. This came up all of the time, fascinatingly enough, or it's not really that fascinating, it actually you know, kind of fits this whole philosophy very nicely, the more successful, the more seasoned business people I work with, this is never a problem for them because they've learned how to do this. But basically, I never, never, never advocate starting something, going all in on something without talking to a market first. So you have to ask people, figure out for yourself, okay, I want to service this market. When I say this market, what does that mean? That this group of people, um, and oftentimes, who do you figure out who you want to serve? Either people that you naturally have a, an affinity to, or people that you're interested in. Right? It does not. You, I, I. It's very rare that you want to just start figuring out. Okay, I want to. I want to. You know, middle income uh, families living in Chile. Right? And if you don't know anyone in Chile, like it, it might be a great market, but it's like, like, how are you going to communicate? To, to to the people that you want to serve and figure out what they really need, what they want. Because so much of why people buy stuff is because it fits them. It fits a certain part. It fits a certain personality. It fits a certain need that these people have. And until you can get really clear on what that need is and get your ego out of the way, so you're not going to be able to provide something that actually works. And over the course of putting something out, you have to put it out, you have to test it, and it's gonna come back and it's not gonna be perfect. It's not, it might even, it might be completely off base. And rather than saying, well, God, I tried once, and I can't tell you how many times, first time, second time, early entrepreneurs will say, well, I tested it and it just didn't work. And I'm like, okay, let's slow down how big was your test? Okay, you talked to three people and and two people said they weren't interested or you talked to four people and four people weren't interested. That's not a big enough test. You have to get out there. You have to speak to people. You have to qualify, are these really the people I want to talk to or not? And then start to tweak what you have. Eventually, you fall on something where you can get enough people who could buy, who want to buy your stuff. So that's the first point. The first point is that you have to put into your business plan the the failure and expect it and look forward to it and love it because each time you fail, right? if your ego is not attached to your outcome, but rather you just want to get good, each time you fail, it is a lesson. And I know that sucks to hear because it's like, oh God, here's another guy talking about why it's important to fail. But the reality is it is so important to fail because once you learn to appreciate the failure, you have already done like 90% of the hard work because the hard work is just about getting punched in the face and appreciating that you just got punched in the face. You've made a product and they said it sucked and you're like, great, why did it suck? What didn't work? And if you ask people, as opposed to get offended, to get frustrated, just assume that it's over, right? You will be able to tailor it to make something that people actually want. Um, and initially, you know, and, and, and this is just, my, I can see this in my own growth trajectory, and this is why I want to just like speed it up because it shouldn't take you, you know, three decades plus to figure out how to do this stuff, is, you know, if a person would reject me, I would never talk to them again. You know, I'm saying, here's, here's what I'm offering. The person's like, great. I'm not really interested. I'm like, thank you very much. Never talk to him again. But now I know when they say, no, thank you. That's not thank you very much. Then I say, oh, fascinating. So what didn't work for you? Why didn't you like this? What, what? Did I have to say in order to get you to a yes? Would would you would you have ever said yes? Maybe I was pitching something or offering something that you were never in the market for. At which point like I get it that you're not going to buy it, but I also get that it's not really an indication that I'm that, that this product or service is not good for you. So the first thing is you have to get really, really comfortable with failure, because failure is the, the next step to that is asking, why didn't this work? What do you need to see? What do you want to know Like in order for you to, to get to a yes? The second thing is this concept of quickly, of being able to pivot fast. Now, that's the second point. Pivoting fast is absolutely crucial because Again, and it's so fascinating because it requires this complete breakdown of your ego. A lot of times we want to just go in, cruise in, get comfortable. And as soon as you get comfortable, you don't want to change what you're doing because, ah, finally I got comfortable. You know, I tell... I do, I do some, um, some consulting for various outreach Jewish outreach organizations. And one of the things that I try to encourage with new rabbis is when you meet someone and that person is interested, try to get that person to meet and talk to somebody else. Right now, why is that difficult? Because a lot of times, as soon as we find our small group of people that all like, know, and trust us. We have a tendency that we do not want to go out and find more people. But the reality is that that is absolutely crucial. Why is that crucial? Because we want to be always in the process of being uncomfortable. And that first step is always very, very uncomfortable. Why is it important to be uncomfortable? Because it means that you are always staying fast and nimble as opposed to, I guess slow and fat. So if you look, you know, the fascinating business studies like a Blockbuster versus Netflix or Barnes and Noble versus Amazon, um, uh, the taxi company versus Uber, like we live in a world that is awash with companies that were unbelievably successful, that failed and died because they were not able to be nimble enough to move in the direction that the market was going. And the beauty of, of social media and the beauty of the Internet is that if you are not nimble, you will die. It's just a period of time. And in a lot of ways, this is I mean, we're living in such an amazing time of, of social upheaval and, and the, the death of everything traditional that people that are slow to adjust are, are already dead. It's like, you didn't, it's it's not like, you, when will you die? It's like, you're dying. You know, it, it might not be today or tomorrow because sometimes it takes a large company or, or a big institution, you know, time to bleed out, right? But ultimately it's over. And it's, it, it behooves everyone from the big corporation to the small startup entrepreneur to recognize, I have to stay nimble. No matter what, I always have to be thinking about what's coming down the pipeline. How can I change my offering? Um, I'm a rabbi, and so I look, and 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 I think there's no doubt that if you look, the mass majority, with the exception of a few, the mass majority of um, large organizational Jude- Jewish groups, um, the federations and the the synagogues are facing a very big problem. They have a lot of overhead, they have a lot of staff people, they have a lot of real estate, and their the base of people that are serving that that they are that are that that they are serving is getting older and doesn't want to put money back into the institution. The younger generation doesn't want to put money back in institution because the money, the younger generation is just trying to figure out how do I get what I'm looking for without paying for a bunch of stuff that I don't want to pay for. It's fascinating. There's a, there's a Gillette, the, the Gillette company was like the, 800 pound gorilla in the razor blade company. Right. And, um, as a result of the dollar shave club, and now there's a thousand other ones, right. They basically just cut out that middleman and the the blades that we were paying, you know, again, orthodox men don't shave with the razor. So don't but the blades that 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 um, were were costing you know twenty thirty dollars now you could be getting them for seven bucks on a monthly basis so you didn't have to go it just came it cut out all of the difficulties and all of the price for all of the overhead because suddenly competition flooded the market and they realized you know. People don't want to pay $20 to get a bunch of razors if you could pay $7 and get good razors. Like, why would I want to pay more? Oh, so I have to pay for someone's corporate jet? Great. Well, I don't want to pay for the jet. Let someone else pay for the jet, right? And it's the same thing's true in a lot of ways with the spiritual institutions that you see that small, you know, like the, the big box gyms, as they like to call it, like the gyms that you have tons of stuff, for better or for worse, they're not full, but if you look at the small startups, even though they cost tons more money in a lot of cases, right? The Core Powers, the Equinoxes, the you know uh, whatever. Just just go walk down any street corner, and you'll see these 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 small studio gyms, right? They are, they are nimble because they're delivering on what you the user wants, and so the big you don't need a huge space if what you're trying to provide is user experience, right? The the it, it, you know, you, at what point do you say I need a massive huge facility which I'm never going to go to. Most people, when they walk in the gym, they use the same, you know, five, six, seven pieces of equipment. Or if you're, if you're going to yoga, like you need the space around your yoga mat and that's it. You know, it's fascinating. Even um, just th- this study itself is, is so interesting. Um, the um, Soul Cycle, the Soul Cycle company was amazing. Like they, Looked at you know real estate they started in New York City and real estate's very expensive and rather than say, you know oh like uh, like the l a fitness in uh, you know Los Angeles Valley, which is just like literally a city block right they said we have this this small area let's say instead of saying we need to provide, you know, it's like, well, how can we even compete? No, they said, we have a small space. Let's actually put people closer and closer, pack 70 bicycles into this small room and make it dark because that will create a different atmosphere of camaraderie and working together, et cetera. So just the fascinating idea is like, if you're you're stuck in this mindset of, I need to have a massive facility to start a successful gym, you can't start, you would have never started, but if you have that flexibility and that humility to say, well, I could just go here if, if, if I don't have these options and, and I know my market doesn't necessarily need these options and I can just ask, but well, what do you want out of such, such experience, what, you know, I can just create that for you. And, and so that's, that's what we call this flexibility. You know, Netflix, amazingly, had the ability to blow up their own business right? Because first they compete against Blockbuster by sending, if you guys remember this, uh, by sending videos, DVDs to your house via mail, right? So it used to be, I, I didn't want to go to Blockbuster so I could just order videos and it would just be like a subscription service. Great. That knocked Blockbuster against the ropes. But then Netflix saw streaming and Netflix said, we're going to destroy our own business of the, of the, of the sending DVDs, Right. To the house. And we're going to get rid of that entirely. And we're now going to go all streaming. And I don't have to tell you Netflix is a fairly successful company. I'm sure everyone would would imagine. So it's that flexibility, even if it means destroying your own previous business model, your old way of getting value to the customer. You have to have that flexibility to say, you know, okay, what do people want? Where can I go and how do I do it? How does this all play back into yom kippur and the holidays and starting fresh and starting new that's the whole idea right that, that a person that approaches even yom kippur right a person that approaches these days as as feeling bad for example and just saying like oh man what can i do what can i do is what it is i screwed up you know and and then and then petitioning god as this pathetic individual and say please you know, please, please, you know, if it behooves you, you know, like, please, 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 you know, like, like, help, help me, I'm pathetic. So it's like, what kind of a year do you want? What kind of message is that? How is that setting you up? Is that what God put you on earth to be is kind of a sniveling, um, p- pathetic individual? Like, I if that works for you, great. You know, go for it. But uh, but what I would advise, and what I would suggest, and personally, what I'm working on for myself is to try the following. First of all, to acknowledge that failure was part of the game. I was playing big, and therefore I failed. I was I was. You know, the Talmud the Talmud says that a person doesn't uh, sin unless they become temporarily insane. Right. But the interesting thing is, a lot of times now, that, what that what that means practically is. We don't sin by accident. We, we might sin by an error in calculation, but we're trying things. We're, we're trying things. I, I tell people this all the time, and it's so crucial. It's like there are seven people that died having never sinned, and we really don't know. I mean, the Talmud lists them off, but they're not the people that we're naming our kids after, right? The big, the big players in Judaism. Right, the real the winners, the people that built something, they all screwed up, and it's very public how they screwed up. Moses and Abraham and Yehuda and Yosef and all these guys, right, and, and, and women also. It's like everybody who's big, who played big, who won big, they all failed, and the failure, right? They 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 were able to do it, and they right away overcame it. It wasn't an an, an indictment on their ability to be successful in the future. It wasn't an indictment. Of their, of their character trait, they saw the ability to, to, to make the mistake because they were stretching a little bit and then they, they just were able to go on. So that's, that's the first thing. Failure, great. Love the failure. So when you go in front of God and you're and you're like actually, this is I think how the old people used to do it, right? It was like you're singing, that's why we sing the achet, all of the you know, like the sins that we're doing, right? We 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 sing it because it's a happy thing, because of the failures that we're celebrating. It's not that we are happy that we failed, but it's like we're we're happy for this process of of being able to screw up and to move forward. It's a positive thing. I screwed up. That means I'm growing a business. That means I'm living my life. That means I've, I'm have i married. That means I'm a parent, right? You can't do any of these things without, without the failure aspect. And then the quick aspect, that's that concept of flexibility. It's like you don't want the heaviness of your past errors to weigh on you because you can't live like that. You can't build a business like that. You can't parent. You can't do anything like that because ultimately it's like, if you're not able to be flexible, right? You, you're already outdated. You're already outdated. And just think about it. If you want to talk about in the context of a marriage, it's the same concept. It's like you know, I screwed up, and, and and I screwed up because I have a I have an ego, or because I was triggered, or whatever you want to say. Oh, you whatever it is, and um, and 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 then and then you know, my spouse said back something that was that that hurt my feelings. And it's like you know, I'm going to spend the next year, you know, like feeling bad about what I did and living in that past fight, or can you say that was a failure? Right, we failed. Uh, something happened. It was not what we, what we intended. It didn't go well, and then we're going to move on. We're going to be flexible. So I think that we can take this this lesson, this opportunity called Yom Kippur, which is not just for you know not just for you know for going to the synagogue, but really it's a, it's a philosophy towards business. It's a philosophy towards your life of of being able to fail quickly to love the failure to expect the failure to, to to not be ashamed of the failure frankly not to be ashamed again all if you read out you know and again i, I have a I have, <laughs> had a I have a rabbi who i like very much who hands out um, these packets on Yom Kippur of like, you know, you thought you just did all these sins, you know, like a shaman begotten, like all, all these sins, which you don't really know. And then try to do English one. he sends out like, oh, this, like, you know, this Kabbalist from the 1500s who goes through like every single possible. And you, you think about that and you like, you express that, and you're like, oh God, this is so awful. And it's like, we as Jews speak out our sins, we speak out all the things we do because we know it's not part of us. We know it's part of our process. We know it's something that we all do, and that's a great thing. And again, it's not to not to rant, but I think it's a very important. It's an important thing is that by sterilizing by sterilizing our great people and by acting like they don't have problems like this or, or great people don't have issues like this, right? But it, it, we do such a tremendous disservice to to us, to each other, because you have to realize that in every community, you should not be shocked to find out there are people that deal with X, Y, and Z. And it's, and it's profound and it's terrible. And and it's terrible, but at the same time, it's people and people do these kind of things. And the more that we're able to acknowledge it and work through it and, and, and just like, Put it out there, like you know, this is an issue, right? Um, the more that we're able to 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 recognize those failures, and then to be strategic about how do we fix it. You know you, you, you fell flat on your face well what went wrong and and then by putting the safeguards and that's that flexibility to acknowledge and to 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 be okay with the fact that i actually can solve these problems so again if you have a launch the launch goes flat if you have a product and nobody buys your product if you have a service and your service is you know not so good so you say either you know well i'm stuck i guess i just make you know Junky products, or you say, okay, so this is this is. I have to make this better. I can I can tweak that, and I'm gonna eventually over time, right? be able to create something successful so with that i wish everyone a happy concluding of the judgment uh, a wonderful yom kippur and a very successful upcoming year have it folks another inspiring episode if you enjoyed this i ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on rabbi rupp through facebook or on youtube and the more that we're able to get these important messages out the more that we can really make an impact in the world so i encourage you please to stay tuned Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.